Mindfulness Mode 215. I am doing my best to protect my heart. And what I mean by that is the energy, the positive and the negative energy. You're listening to today's episode of Mindfulness Mode. I'm your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Thanks so much for joining us here. The free Change Your Thinking, Change Your Body Summit is continuing a speaker every day for the next couple of weeks still i'll be speaking on may 13th sign up for this amazing summit with lucia at mindfulnessmode.com slash c y t summit c y t meaning change your thinking here's a quote for you it's only when you learn to break free from your negative patterns that you'll experience peace that's a quote from Jarrett Grossman. And from my last show, my last interview with, with Jarrett, that was uh, a great interview. And he talked about digging into your layers of why. Why do you do what you do in this world? And he said there will be a breakthrough moment. So that was the episode last time. Go back and check out 214 if you haven't heard Jared. I think you'll appreciate it. Today, I talk with one of the top Facebook experts. He does Facebook ads for Tony Robbins coaching, so many more, and even for a nonprofit cancer program. Sit back and enjoy a man who is a mindset expert because that's how Facebook advertising works, understanding human behavior and understanding what motivates people. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Nicholas Kuzmich. Okay, Mindful Tribe, I am really excited to tell you that today I have a guest that has been both places. He's He's been at that place that has been, you know, a challenge, a true challenge, and he's been at the place where, you know, he really felt a great sense of success. I'm excited to tell you that I have Nicholas Kuzmich with me today. And Nicholas, I'll just start with this. Are you in mindfulness mode? Uh, I am 100%. I'm excited to be here with you, Bruce. Thanks for letting me uh, spend this time with you. Oh, my pleasure. My honor to have you here. Yeah. So Nicholas, I know you know a thing or two about mindfulness. So why don't you share that with us? What does mindfulness mean? to you? Uh, well, you know, I think in its shortest term. So I, I was never necessarily brought up in a mindfulness understanding, uh, was never part of any quote unquote mindfulness movements, never necessarily read any mindfulness books. But uh, that being said, I think I have a deeper level of understanding, at least in my definition, which is simply, I think it's a combination of being fully aware and fully present at the exact same time. The more aware you are of both yourself and that which is happening around you, um, and the more present you are with what is happening around you currently, uh, I think that in and of itself, at least for me, defines what what mindfulness is. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's all about being aware. And I know that you have had a lot of different uh, things happen in your life. You've told a lot of stories. Sure. What does the what does the number one seventeen mean to you, Nicholas? Yeah, that's Can a you share that with us. <laughs> it's a powerful number for me. Um, I don't remember the date. I, I do remember it was a cold winter's evening, if you will. Yeah. Um, I'd been working away at my desk. Uh, I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs can relate to this. It was an IKEA desk, birch color, 
black legs corner unit. Uh, a lot of people know what that's like. And I yeah. just remember pounding away and it being late at night and me trying to get some work done or at least having an excuse to try and get some work done. Um, and there was this cascade of events that were happening in my life simultaneously, everything from relationally to finances to business to um, my personal, you know, beliefs and thoughts about myself to the questioning of the faith that I held so true to myself at the time. Um, all of this, it was almost like layer after layer, cascade after cascade had happened and all led to this pivotal moment where I felt like I literally took a step back and I thought, is there, if, if this is what life is about, if currently what I'm experiencing is what life is actually about, and at that point I felt like there was no way out of my current situation, um, then the question I had to ask myself was, is life worth living? And I remember asking myself that question, looking up at the clock and seeing 1.17 a.m., then looking back at my computer and seeing Google and finding myself, and again, I almost feel like it wasn't even conscious, but finding myself typing into the Google search bar the easiest way to take your life. Um, I knew hard ways to take my life. I was not, I'm a coward uh, by nature. I didn't want the hard ways. I knew what those were. I wanted to know what the easiest way was. And I was literally at this point where just this, again, this cascade of experience and life took its its blows at me. And I kept getting back up and betting, getting back up and getting back up to the point where I said, is it worth getting back up if I'm just going to be knocked down all over again? Um, and at that point, my answer my, at that very second was no, it wasn't worth getting back up. Now, fortunately, um, I did type that phrase into the Google and I got some answers, but there was another side of me that came out that said, well, maybe this is not something that I need to action at this point. So yeah, very, uh, very, um, important and memorable numbers, uh, for me that, that will kind of remain with me for the rest of my life. Right. And you pushed forward, but it sounds like you had seven or eight years of that kind of struggle, pushing struggle, feeling like you were getting nowhere. And one thing after another, I know part of it was your father's passing. He died during that period of time. And you had a lot of challenges with that too, I I understand. Yeah, I mean, uh, so my, my father had me older, older in age. He was about 50 when he had me uh, growing up. You know, when we would go out, everyone would think that he was my grandfather, not my father, which kind of took a toll on me emotionally. Um, but uh, as as far as I could remember, when I was uh, four years old, I witnessed my father have his first heart attack. Uh-huh. And uh, I had spent time and time in hospital with him. And as bad as that is and was it did create a bond between me and dad, you know, very, very closely. Uh, I'm an only child. I'm the only boy. And my father and I, despite, you know, early on in life, having some, some challenges, I guess every, every kid does, um, grew very tight. I mean, I, I was with him. He had renal, uh, kidney failure, which meant dialysis three times a week, uh, four hours each time just to keep him alive. And I was with him every single treatment from the day he started until the day he passed. And so um, I was very close with him. I had some kind of these uh, agreements with God, if you will, to say, hey, just let dad live long enough to see me get married. Let dad, you know, live long enough to see meet his grandchildren. Let dad, you know, live long enough for for me to make all the wrongs in his life right. Um, and then when he passed, uh, he he wasn't around to see me get married and he wasn't around to meet his grandchild and all the wrongs in his life weren't righted by me. Um, 
so yeah, I, I, there was, there was a lot of challenge that I had to kind of overcome and deal with through that entire process to kind of figure it out and, and see what all that meant for me. And, and is it true that you had some training in, in the spiritual, in Christianity or were you, you trained as a, as a minister? In fact, uh, yes. That's so, what I thought. Yeah. So I, I started pastoring when I was 17. Uh, I got ordained when I was 19. Um, and then for 14 years straight without a break, uh, was a pastor of a church. And so, um, yeah, I did have some some official training, which to me is what it is. But besides that, I had a whole lot of years life training uh, of being in that scenario um, with the Christian faith, with spirituality as defined by the Christian faith and, and all that comes with it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so I often ask people, you know, when it comes to mindfulness, how their sense of mindfulness connects with their with their faith, whether it be a Christian faith or whatever it is, and you still consider yourself a Christian at this time? I do, yeah. Maybe not exactly as defined as some some institutions might define that. Sure. Um, you know, my whole issue uh, after serving in the ministry for 14 years was I don't have any any issues with Jesus or with God or love um, or the scriptures, but I do have some ins- uh, issues with the institution. <laughs> so okay. uh, yeah. that's kind of where I stand. Um, but yeah, as it relates to mindfulness, I mean, for me, uh, it, it's almost one and the same. Um, you know, I, I, I think one of the core teachings of the scriptures, if you hold true to them, is the idea of being present and aware of that which is beautiful and good, and 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 being grateful for those things. I think um, mindfulness is your connection to the to the bigger thing that is outside of ourselves. Um, so all of that combined, uh, what just held very true to me then, and and still holds true to me now. Right, right. And uh, so you've become a Facebook ad expert. And I was going to read for my listeners, you know, the bio that I have for you. Nicholas Kuzmich is one of the planet's most successful and well-known Facebook advertising experts. I mean, it's amazing. He knows exactly how to help businesses scale revenue by using Facebook advertising to get more clients. He has his own unique system called Contextual Congruence, which is based on his deep understanding of human mindset and social behavior and consequently what triggers people to click on an ad and eventually buy. This translates into the fact that Nicholas has a deep and profound understanding of mindfulness. And so as a result of this, he's recently written a book called Give, The Ultimate Guide to Using Facebook Advertising to Generate More Leads, More Clients, and Massive. ROI. And when it comes to giving, I think mindfulness is a huge part of it and a huge part of understanding human beings and how they operate. But, right. you know, you, you went from these huge challenges and this place where you were just down and out, and now you're this Facebook amazing <laughs> genius kind of guy. How did this happen? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. A question that gets asked all the time. Um, and, you know, for the longest time, I didn't have quite an answer because it seemed like there wasn't a logical bridge between pastoring for 14 years, going through hell and back many, many times to now having this business and, and, and being heralded by some people as, you know, one of the world's greatest Facebook advertising strategists. Um, 
But then when I took a few steps back to think about this, I realized, I, well, I mean, I first had to ask myself, why did I go into ministry in the first place? And at that time, it was because that was the only outlet that my narrative taught me um, that I could go into to have what I would feel to be an impact on other human beings. Um, there's something inside of me that just said, you know, you're put on this planet for more than just, you know, existing. And that I, I don't think I'm, 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 you know, original in that. I think everybody has a sense of that. Uh, but that was, you know, the kind of what was being felt in me. And then I figured, well, what is the best way that I feel like that I could bring a positive impact to other people in their lives? Um, and again, at the time, the narrative told me, being a pastor. And so that's what I did. But I think through my maturity and through growing and going through things in life and having these life experiences, I realized that that isn't the only way that I could have impact. And in fact, maybe there would be greater ways that I could have impact. Um, so on the one parallel track, it was interesting that in it was the Christmas, I believe 2014 was my last Sunday at my church. And I had no idea what the next Sunday would bring for me. Um, I just knew that I was not going back to the church that I had served for so many years. Um, and I did know that I would have to figure out a way to make a living and put food on the table for my family. And it was only a couple of weeks after that, on a Sunday morning in a cold Toronto winter, did I find myself sitting in another church, but for a completely different reason. Um, there was an entrepreneur's event being held here in Toronto wow. uh, at an event space called the Berkeley Church, which was a converted church. The event was called Archangel Flight School, of all things. Um, and right then and there, without going into the specifics, unless you want me to, Bruce, but right then and there, I remember sitting in a, a seat in this converted church called Berkeley Church at an event called Archangel Flight School, and then a light bulb went off and to say that a, there was another way that I could reach people and bring positive impact to the world, and B, uh, that I would do that through the platform of social media. And uh, a couple of things kind of linked together, and uh, now a couple of years after that, here we are. Um, and I find that I can have much greater reach and much greater impact, and I can help way more people doing what I do now um, than what I was doing before. So it's it's funny how it came full circle. It's funny how it opened up to me. But at the end of the day, I truly believe that the the core is still the same. I'm doing what I'm doing in order to bring a greater impact, hopefully a greater positive impact, uh, to at least those who are around me and hopefully extend beyond, you know, my, my immediate circles into the quote unquote world that I'm hoping to touch and, and impact. Well, that's an amazing story. And, you know, looking back a few years ago, did you have that connection to social media? Did you always, as soon as social media became the thing, was that always something you resonated with? Not necessarily. I mean, I, at the time, again, I, I had focused strictly on that which was before me, and that was to be a good pastor and to take sure. care of my congregation. Now, everyone knows that social was a big thing and it existed, but never in my life did I think, well, this is the thing that I'm going to use to do what I do. Right. Uh, you know, call it the universe, call it the divine, call it being at the right place at the right time. I, I, I don't know exactly. But what I do know is that um, – 
you know, the stars aligned, if you will, and provided an open door. And I was fortunate enough to have presence of mind to say, well, that is an opportunity. That is a door that I'm going to walk through and we'll just see where it goes. Well, not only did you walk through the door, but I understand you've been creating Facebook campaigns for some pretty amazing, well-known people and organizations. How did you, how did you do that? How did, I mean, I could understand that you're doing Facebook for, you know, various entrepreneurs, but you've just moved right to the top, the upper echelon. How did you pull that off? Well, I think life uh, in short is made up and the manifestation of everything that we experience is really the result of the stories that we tell ourselves. Um, And sometimes those stories are made up by us. And oftentimes those stories are made up by that which we hear from around us or growing up or whatever. And so the common narrative was always, hey, well, start from the bottom and work your way up. And I said, well, what if that story's wrong or, or not necessarily wrong, but what if that's not the only story that could be told? And what if that's not the only story I could believe? And so I said, well, what if, what if I could go straight to the top? That would save me years of having a, you know, s- struggle, if you will, or go through a specific process. And so, you know, I decided to change the story and said, well, I could work with the best of the best and go straight to the top and provide great value for people. And I decided to believe that story and go right after them. And so, I mean, in practicality, I essentially made an offer that people couldn't refuse, um, which was essentially, hey, I had this list of people that I wanted to work with. And in that process, my offer to them was, hey, this is what I do and these are my fees to do it. But I tell you what, how about we work together and you pay me only after you get a result rather than before. So uh, out of the 10 people that I reached out to, two people thought that that was a great idea. And fortunately, when I stepped up to bat for them, uh, not only did we hit a double or single, but we hit a grand slam and we did some really good work for people, which then took on a life of its own and and, and allowed me to continue to work with some great people uh, to this day, in fact. So that's how it happened practically. But it started with me just, again, being present and aware that maybe the story I was holding true didn't necessarily have to be the only story and that I could kind of uh, tell myself something else and go after it as a result. Right. And so how do you stay focused today when you're doing this kind of work? Because this can be very grueling. You know, you're spending a lot of time in front of a computer and, and so on. How do you stay focused with what you do? I think at the end of the day, it's always realizing that the bigger picture is really what matters. And so the bigger picture could be a a bunch of things. It could be the impact that you're trying to have. It could be the person you're trying to serve. Uh, In my case, my bigger picture is my family. I mean, I have my wife and my newborn. Well, she's not newborn. She's eight months at the eight and a half months at the point of this recording. Right. but uh, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I am not caught up in the minutia of life. Um, I always, and it's that fine balance of trying to say, I try not to be goal oriented or future focused because I think that takes you out of the present. But I do try to say like, what is bigger? So I have my current minutia reality and my my current you know presence, but then I have the bigger presence of what I believe to be a greater reality. And I think my my mind and my heart and my eyes are trying to, and I'm not always good at this, but I always constantly try to remind myself to to be aware of the bigger reality. And the more I can do that, the more the grueling nature of the work becomes less important and not even a focus. And the realization that this is all for something a little bit bigger and maybe a little bit outside of myself as an individual. uh, And that helps me to kind of keep going every single day. Sure, sure. And who are some of these names? Who are some of these organizations that you that you work with? 
Yeah. So, uh, I mean, on on the thought leader side, for example, there's the coaching division of the Tony Robbins group. So many people are familiar with him. Uh, many New York Times bestselling authors like the Atwoods, for example, are, are examples. Uh, and then also some some great brands. So maybe the people, not not necessarily the people, but the, uh, the brands, for example, uh, one of the things I love to talk about is a company called The Truth About Cancer. Um, about three years ago, nobody knew who they were, that they even existed. But a, a man who lost his father due to cancer went on this worldwide journey to try and find some answers, some alternative answers than what we currently know. And he took a film crew with him, traveled around the world and created a docu-series around looking for answers around cancer. And again, when we first connected, nobody knew who they were. Now, three years later, they have, uh, they're impacting over 4 million people a month. Um, they've gotten their vision and their, their product out to many, many people who can use, you know, great, great things. Um, so it's just, it's interesting to see it come full circle where when you have a conversation like that, that's what reminds me of why I do what I do. Um, do people sell product? Yes. Do people make money doing what we do? Yes. Um, but I think that's all a natural byproduct of saying like there are companies out there like the truth about cancer that people just don't know about at least, you know, when they first started and there's a platform like Facebook advertising that can help bridge that gap. And literally introduce the world to these these beautiful products and services and and ideas and thoughts that can make people's lives better. So it's oh, a it's a fascinating yeah. experience. It must be so rewarding to know that you're a part of of making people's lives better. Yeah, and and I think that's exactly it. Just brings us full circle. It's the reason why I felt like I got into what I did years ago, right. and now I can do it on an even more global scale. So. Um, I, I mean, I wish I could say every day was like that and it was perfect sure. and all, but, um, you know, on the greater scheme of things, it does help put things in perspective for you. So Nicholas, do you meditate or pray or is prayer and meditation intertwined for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So when it comes to like traditional forms of meditation or prayer, uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, at least when I was pastoring, it was this idea of eyes closed, head bowed, hands clasps on your knees, you yes. know, focused. Uh, in the meditation world, that's similar to where you're in a quieted state and doing what you did. Um, but I believe, you know, even when I was pastoring, um, something that really stuck out to me was when Christ had said, two simple words that didn't sit well with me. And those that was pray continually, uh, meditate day and night. And I thought, well, that sounds fascinating, but if what I believe to be true about prayer and meditation was in fact this, going in a corner, putting on some headphones, hands class on my knees, you know, in a focused state, well then, he's putting a pretty difficult challenge on me because I can't do that day and night, nor could I do that continuously. Um, and then I think through the exploration of that concept, I realized that meditation, at least for me, and prayer just for me, wasn't an experience as much as it was a constant practice of daily awareness, this this constant idea that you are in fact connected to something that is greater than you, that you don't need to be positioned in a certain way to access that, that you could be constantly in a state of awareness and gratitude and all that stuff. So for me, my practice of meditation or prayer, if you will, them being intertwined, is just being in a state of awareness as we redefined what it meant to be mindful, to be in a state of gratitude at all times, um, and to be at a state of current 
presentness, if you will, or, or being aware that now is what we have. Um, and all those things combined, I feel like put me in this greater, greater sense of, of mindfulness, a greater sense of constant meditation, if you will, of constant prayer and not treating it like one off events, but as being a, a thing that happens 24 seven that you can tap into at all times. Right. Nick, what's your favorite book in the Bible and why? Oh, you know, it it's like my favorite book in life or my favorite book of the it, it it depends on the situation that you're in and what you're currently going through. I mean, sometimes the Songs of Solomon say a, a beautiful story of poetry that you can read. Um oftentimes the Proverbs when you're really needing, you know, some some wisdom yes. of the day, it just kind of hits you right there. Oftentimes the Psalms are great things where you can just sit back and meditate. I mean, you know, one of the common terms that pop up in the Psalms are the word Selah, which means just pause and reflect. Um, so yeah, it, it all depends on the day, the season, and the hour. I wish I could pinpoint one thing, but I can't. Well, I like your answer. Anyway, I want to ask you if you were ever bullied or you ever experienced bullying, either as an adult in the work you do now, or if you think back. Yeah, bullied in the the sense that I might perceive bullying, probably not. But bullying in the sense of just, you know, having people try to persuade you to do something you don't want to do. Um, bullying from the perspective of not everybody liking you and having something to say about that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, my whole life, even to this day, there's a lot of people who don't like me and have what I have to say and have to, you know, have the internet to share that with others. And how um, do you deal with that? Like, is that something that bothers you that sort of eats away at you or how do you handle it? You know, I would I would lie if I was saying, no, not at all. It doesn't bother me. I just ignore it. Now, the, the reality is, for the most part, I do try to ignore it. Um, I think feeding on that type of energy is not something that would serve me or others in any way, shape or form. Um, right. So for the most part, if I can be made not aware of these certain things, I choose to go that path. And if I am made aware, I just try to take a few steps back to think. Uh, you know, to try to try and be mindful of the situation of of is a is there truth to this that I'm maybe not be missing that I'm too arrogant to kind of pay attention to. Um, two is the person that's speaking vile to me. Maybe there's a reason, and maybe it has nothing to do with me. Maybe it has something to do with a life situation that they're going on. Uh, maybe it has something to do with a hurt that they're you know feeling. I read this quote years and years and years ago that say hurt people hurt people. Um, so maybe there's something else going on. So I do my best. And again, I'm not great at it all the time, but I do my best to see the greater picture of things and realize that a, it's probably not personal. Um, yeah. there, there's gotta be something else going on. B it's probably an indicator that there is something going on with the person who is bullying or sharing or, or feeling the way they are and have an event about it. And see, maybe there is a lesson to be learned. Maybe I didn't say things the right way, or maybe I could have approached something as a, a slightly different way. And maybe there is some truth. Now, maybe how it's being presented is not the most pleasant thing in the world. But if there's a lesson to be learned in it, I'm going to try and gain that lesson and, and see how I can use it in my life. So that's how I approach it today. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yes, because I've worked in that field for some time. So I like to talk about that because of the connection between bullying and mindfulness. Right. I wanted to ask you, have you ever had a client where you thought, man, this is just the biggest challenge ever. I've got to use every bit of mindfulness I can possibly muster in order to deal with this. Do you have a story about that? 
Yeah, well, very much so. I mean, especially early on in the game. Uh, now we can be much more selective with our clients. And fortunately, we say no much more than we say yes. And we can be very hand selective. And so, you know, one of our goals now is I will only work with people that I'm willing to have dinner with and go on vacation with. Because um, that means I'm working with good energy and people that I love. But early on, uh, that was not the case at all. I mean, a client was a client was a client, sure. which meant that many times we probably said yes to situations that we shouldn't have in the first place. Uh, and then very quickly did I realize that not everyone's on the same page with me, that there are some time vampires and energy vampires out there who just want to suck the life out of you. Right. Um, and so early on, how did we kind of deal with that sort of thing? Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm by nature a very accommodating person and I try to do my best to make sure everybody's happy. Now, most of the time that works out well and other times it kind of drains the life out of me um, because I know deep down in my heart, this is not something I should continue with. And yet, uh, you know, I, I stay in something. So I think early on, um, it's, it was just, yeah, very difficult where everything you said was wrong. Everything you did was wrong. Every time you try to correct something, it just made something more wrong. Um, so how did I deal with that? Again, early on, I tried to be accommodating, but really at the end of the day, it was staying true to my intuition. Mm -hmm. It was staying true to what my heart was calling me to do, uh, which oftentimes meant in the most gracious way possible to say, I don't think this is working out. I don't think we should continue working together. And as hard as that was for me to do, um, it was the best thing to do for my heart and mind and energy and soul and all that combined. And so, um, yeah, I think I am doing my best to protect my heart. And what I mean by that is the energy, the positive and the negative energy. And that oftentimes means not allowing certain news, not allowing certain people, not allowing certain types of things to come into that space of mine so that I can maintain kind of the, the positive energy that I need to get through my days and to be a great husband and a great father and a great you know business owner and all of that combined. Right, right. That makes sense. Well, I want to talk with you about your book. And your book sure. is simply called Give. And what a great title, because right. I think sometimes we don't do enough of that. But tell us about your book and some of the central themes. I know it's about Facebook advertising, but I also know it's probably about the psychology of human beings and what makes us tick and mindset and all those things. But let's hear it from you. Yeah, well, so really, I mean, again, we're, we are Facebook advertisers at the core, if you look at it at a practical standpoint. But I think deeper than that, I mean, I couldn't care less about Facebook than anything else for that matter. It just happens to be a platform that has amazing reach and that can uh, accomplish some great things if you'll allow it to and you know what you're doing. So for me, at the end of the day, I believe, and especially for the people that I want to work with, that most people have a message that they wanna share with the world. Now that message could be in the form of a product or a service, could be in the form of a book or a play or a song or whatever it be. Everyone I believe has something decent to share with the world. That's my first assumption. My second assumption is that there are probably people out there who need what we have, they just don't know us yet, which I believe is a shame. Which then takes us to the third assumption. If, if assumption one is true and assumption two is true, then most people could benefit from some sort of a platform that can create that bridge between what you have and what people want and bring that together in a very congruent way. 
And I believe that that bridges Facebook. And I believe that the way to reach the most people with whatever it is that you have is by understanding that the word internet and the word under and the word social are essentially the same thing right now. Um, you can't escape social. I believe, I, I think I read a stat the other day that there are more Facebook accounts than there are toothbrushes in the world. Um, we're talking about over 2 billion people using Facebook on a daily basis, which means whatever it is that you have to offer somebody, the person who needs it is on Facebook in some way, shape or form. Then the other question is, well, how then do we get over this icky and this slimy old school sales approach that most people take in the advertising world, which is essentially buy my stuff, buy my stuff, my stuff is better than everybody else, buy my stuff. I thought, well, I think that back in the day, that used to be the way to do it. Uh, but we live in a different way now. We live in a different society. We live in a different social platform where people can appreciate authenticity, where people appreciate transparency, where I believe the greatest commodity and the reason why any of us purchase or transact or give anybody one of our currencies, which is either time or money, is because we end up resonating with that person. So anybody who's listening to this podcast, in fact, is doing that because they resonate with you and they resonate with your message and they resonate with something that you represent. So if that is all true, then I believe there are two core principles to communicating and marketing online. Core principle number one, and hence the title of my book, you must give before you ask. If you're, if you're ever going to be in a place where you're going to ask anybody for anything, whether that's time, money, energy, resources, whatever, you need to be first in a position where you're willing to give that person something of value first. Second principle of marketing and communicating online is that every step of the marketing process should be valuable in and of itself, meaning any ad you put out, any marketing message you put out, any form of communication that you put out shouldn't in fact be designed for the sole purpose of transaction. It should be designed with a purpose of giving something in advance, providing value. Hence, in full transparency and being very clear with my agenda here, it would be my greatest desire that everybody who reads, uh, listens to this or watches this goes out and buys my book, even if they're not an entrepreneur and even if they're not interested in Facebook ads. But rather than me coming out and saying, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book, I'm hoping that even those who choose not to buy it, and I'm hoping there's not too many of them, but those who choose not to, um, would still walk away from our conversation saying, you know what, I learned something. or. I feel better, or there's some actions that I can take in my life that I think is gonna make my life better. And I think if we can go through life with the foundational principle of saying, ask like not what I can take from somebody, but ask what can I give to somebody to make their life better on a small scale or a massive scale. I think that is kind of the foundational premise for building connection and resonance, and connection and resonance is the key factor of causing transactions on any level whether that's, again, time or money. And so that's really what the book is all about. Yes, it talks a little bit about Facebook ads, and yes, it does talk about advertising, but primarily is discussing how do we interact socially um, with commercial intent, with the desire to you know, hopefully get someone to 
watch our videos or listen to our podcast or read our book or come into our store or whatever it be? How do we get them to do that um, in such a way that's congruent with how people live and operate in today's day and age? And that's kind of the, you know, the, the reason why I call it give and the reason why I believe that if you're going to do any of that in today's day and age, that you got to understand those two key principles. Well, I think it's it's going to be a terrific read. I'm looking forward to it myself. I, as we move forward toward the end of the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions, okay. Nick, if I could. The first <laughs> one is, who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness? Wow. Um, I don't want this to be a cop-out answer, but I think it was uh, the one reason why I believe I can be mindful on any level is because of what I've been through. So if I'm going to give that person a name, I'm going to call it life experience or the school of hard knocks. Um, And that going through, I believe life was meant to be experienced. And what I mean by that is in its highest of heights, yes, but also in its lowest of lows. And I think when you can experience what I might call full spectrum life, um, that's when you can truly step into to mindfulness. So I hope that wasn't a cop-out, Bruce, but that would be my answer to that. <laughs> okay. Uh, how has mindfulness affected your emotions, if it has? A hundred percent. Again, I believe emotions are part of life, and I think emotions are designed to be experienced in the fullness of it. And so yeah. when I'm angry, I'm angry. When I'm happy, I'm happy. I'm not trying to suppress any of that. But mm-hmm. – Uh, being mindful, being aware that, wait a second, I'm not in the best of moods right now, um, definitely allows you to um, prevent you from doing things you probably would regret and allows you to process those emotions a lot faster so that you could be back into the state that you want to be. So just being mindful about it allows you to experience the betterness of the emotions that you want to experience and allow you to be guided by those to towards whatever path that you're looking to accomplish. Right. How is breathing part of your mindfulness practice? You know, for the longest time, I didn't think breathing was all that important to anything. I, heck, you know, our, our subconscious forces us to breathe and so be it. Um, but in reality, I think... The times where I literally need to slow down, I literally slow down my breath and I take some conscious breaths rather than unconscious breaths. And in doing so, I find um, that it definitely affects, you know, everything about how I feel, about slowing down, about uh, getting to the pace that I need to be at at that time uh, and everything. So so huge, huge part, despite the fact that breath and spirit are the same word interchangeably in the Hebrew and the Greek, which I find completely fascinating and opens up a whole series of questions that are probably beyond this conversation here. That is fascinating. It really is. Well, I'm going to put the name of your book into the show notes, of course, but was there any other book that you could share with us which is connected to mindfulness? Oh, uh, you know, there's so many books that I've read in the past and I haven't read lately just because I've been so focused on implementation. Um, I forgot the author's name, but the only thing that comes to mind in this moment is um, Victor, Man's Search for Meaning. That was a book that I read many, many years ago in the depths of my despair. And for whatever reason, as you bring that question up, it it, it, it comes forth as something that uh, that helped me just stay mindful of, of life. A very powerful book for sure. Yeah. Is there an app? which you could suggest, which helps with mindfulness in any way? Ah, no, I try. 
I think technology can help us and harm us simultaneously. I've mm-hmm. tried to lean on technology to help me, and I find that it was more of a distraction than anything. So I think at least for me, if I find myself getting too cluttered and want to move myself into a true state of mindfulness, it's going from digital to analog. It's getting out of room with technology, going out in my backyard, getting grounded, putting my feet in the soil, um, and then just getting to that place where you just relax and breathe and get connected. Great answer. Yes. Great answer. I know everybody's different and some of us do have ways to connect through technology and become mindful, but you know, it has been awesome talking with you today, Nick. I've really appreciated. I knew I would because (laughs) I, I've really enjoyed hearing you on other, other interviews, other shows, but uh, thanks so much for being on the show. How can mindful tribe connect with you and learn more about what you do? Oh, thank you. That's a, that's a beautiful question. I mean, so when whenever someone's ready or wants to connect with me, I mean, there are a, a handful of ways that I could best help them. Uh, one is through Facebook. It's the world that I live on. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, I'm the only Nicholas Kuzmich on all of the Facebooks. Uh, so it's very, very easy to find me and connect with me there. If you're interested in kind of the work that I do, we have a free group on Facebook called FB Marketing Mastery. Uh, that allow, It's a free group you could join. That's where I spend some time and answering people's questions and that sort of thing. Of course, the website, nicholaskuzmich.com, is kind of a brochure of everything that we do. Um, And uh, the book, obviously, allows people kind of a deeper look into what I believe to be true about how someone can market and advertise and and be in business in today's day and age. So those would be the handful of ways. Great. Well, that's fantastic. Thanks again for being with us, and have a great rest of your day, Nick. Bruce, thank you for your time and allowing me to spend this time with you. My pleasure. Bye now. See you later. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.